The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. My name is Haley, if this is your first time listening, and I'm your host. I'm a second-year dental student at University of Michigan School of Dentistry, and this week we are joined with Dr. Laurel Gans. She is um, in marketing as well as some other logistics roles at a dental brokerage firm called United Dental Brokers of America, and she is a dentist, but she's no longer practicing clinical dentistry and has moved full-time into this role. So we talk all about aspects of answering, I guess, like what is a dental broker if you're very new to thinking about the business side of dentistry, which basically is, is someone that is either representing the buyer or the seller in a dental practice purchase or sell. So we talk all about what markets are like fast growing for dental practices, some things that new grads should keep in mind if they're thinking of buying a practice at some point, and also how dentists, if they're interested, can be brokers um, on the side of also still practicing clinical dentistry. But before we get into that episode with Dr. Laurel, I did just want to do my little weekly recap. So this past week was kind of interesting. I had club events every single night of the week on Monday night. This past week, I had my final presentation for my presentation skills selective course. I'm pretty sure it went well. We don't have like a distinct grade, but my peer feedback was high. And then I had a Zoom call with the professor to go over the presentation as well. And she had pretty much all good things to say other than you could talk a little bit slower. But I think We all speed up our talking when we're presenting to a group, so I kind of knew that, and it felt fast once I sat down when it was over, but that's done, so that's great. Now my Monday nights are a little bit more free because that class was 5.15 to 7 every other Monday, which was a little bit annoying, so I'm glad that that's over. And then Tuesday night, we had a presentation from a financial planner that's sponsored by the Michigan Dental Association at a restaurant. Um, here called Cottage Inn. So we had food and drinks and the presentation was honestly really great. I did get his card and I'm going to try to get him as a podcast guest because I think he has a lot of really good advice to share. And then on Wednesday, I had my practical for SimLab and it did not go well. We had to prep 30 and then do a temporary crown. The prep, I'm honestly pretty proud of. I think it would get a high score, but the temporary crown was terrible. It looked okay once I took it out of the stent and the issue was the occlusion was too high and you automatically get a fail if the occlusion is too high. So I kept producing it for an entire 45 minutes to an hour, little by little, keep checking with the articulating paper, reduce, check, reduce for almost an hour till it finally was not, till it finally had balanced occlusion. But at that point, there were like very minimal cusps. Like you can tell that it's a molar, but it just didn't look good. And it was like very rough and pitted. And I think that my 
margins and approximately um, are open a little bit. So I would imagine I got a very low score on that, but we'll see how it turns out. Whenever I get my grade back, I'll let you all know in a future episode, but I would assume that was like a C or a D on that aspect of the practical. But that night, we had another fun club event. Both All of these were through ASDA, Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday night was sponsored by MB2 Dental. They're like a dental management company, and that was at Vinology, which is another restaurant here. So we had appetizers and drinks. And then Thursday night, I had my initiation for my dental fraternity, Alpha Omega, which actually they just changed their name nationally. It's no longer a fraternity. It's a society, which is kind of nice because it's co-ed. And I think fraternity kind of has certain implications that they didn't love. So it's actually Alpha Omega Dental Society. And we had a nice initiation dinner that we like said our little oath and we got our pins and we had full courses and a nice drink ticket and what I really liked is that they invited faculty and they had faculty awards so the dean was there all of our favorite faculty because the faculty that were awarded are ones that us members nominated so we nominated a preclinical faculty a like lecture faculty and then a clinic faculty and anyone that got nominated got invited to the dinner so every table had a few students and a few faculty so it was a really great chance to kind of mingle and connect more with faculty that quite frankly a lot of them I never even see in person if they're a lecture faculty because our lectures have been online my table happened to be three of our pre-clinic faculty and one of those three is also in clinic and does our lectures so I'm pretty familiar with her anyways but it was really great getting to know them a little bit better and earlier that day on that Thursday I had a midterm for our perio-therapy class which was super super chill I studied for it most of that week but really easy it was really like the clinical aspect of things to do with perio so just like what steps would you take in clinic who would you talk to, like the restorative faculty or the perio faculty for this kind of treatment, um, like phasing of periotherapy, classification of the disease states is like periodontitis progresses, things like that. So it really wasn't too tough. And then we had dentures on Friday. I just had a quiz and got to leave because I'm already done with my dentures. So, so glad to be done with the fabrication of the dentures because that has been brutal and not enjoyable at all but the quiz actually went well and that was our last quiz of the semester so now all I have left for dentures is a zoom review after Thanksgiving and then we have an in-person written final exam which is going to be also probably brutal and super hard but that's okay one step at a time so that's everything that went on last week and this coming week is going to be pretty busy as well with club stuff and then I'm heading to Chicago on Thursday so I can let you all know how that goes in next week's intro but for now let's get into this episode with Dr. Laurel about dental brokers. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Bumble. 
All right. Hello, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Laurel introduce herself. Hi, um, I'm Dr. Gans. I work with United Dental Brokers of America as their director of marketing, sales, and business development, and I'm excited to be here today. Thank you. So before we get into some questions about brokers and how that can serve dentists, how they could even be involved, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'm a dentist. I graduated in 2014. Um, I practiced up until the pandemic, really. I was starting to cut back a little bit even before that due to um, a back injury and wrist injury. Um, I have an identical twin who's also a dentist and she had a very similar wrist injury and she had to have surgery. And I kind of saw what she went through and all of that. And so I knew I kind of had to start making a game plan to kind of get out of clinical dentistry. Um, so I was cutting back and, you know, looking for what's next. And then the pandemic hit, which was kind of a big boost to be like, okay, now it's definitely time to move on. And so, you know, I was doing some freelance, um, dental writing and medical writing and kind of looking for the next, what I wanted to do full time. And, um, my sister actually was the one who saw the ad for the position I'm in now, Paul Goodman, Dr. Nacho had been posting about it on LinkedIn. And my sister showed it to me and was like, why don't you just talk to them and see what they have to say? They've got a great reputation. Um, and so I did. And so I've been working with United Dental Brokers since February. So I do their marketing, um, I help with sales and I help, um, connect buyers and sellers. Um, I help connect our brokers. I help find new brokers. Um, and I help place associates in positions across the country. Awesome. So first thing of everything you talked about, let's just talk about how you ended up changing the direction that you thought you might be clinical dentistry for your career. Do you think it's important for dental students to kind of have a backup plan if clinical dentistry doesn't work out? Yes, absolutely. Because I think, you know, a lot of people when they go into dentistry, we're, we're so young and we know so little about it. We just know that what we're told basically is, you know, it's such a great field. You know, you can be your own boss. You can, you know, work a couple of days a week and have this, that, and the other. I think there's all these promises that don't always quite work out. And even when the promises do work out, like, yes, I was able to work just one or two days a week and, you know, make a living. I was able to focus on other things, but then you also kind of give up parts of your body. So it's like, okay, well, do you want, you know, wrist pain and back pain, even on your days off, you know? So I think it's important to always have something in the background, something else that you can do. Um, I think in dentistry, they don't, in dental school, they don't always teach great ergonomics. I think a lot of the practices, um, a lot of people don't know, you know, just what the torque needs to be on their hand pieces or just the positioning that they need to be in. And I think even if you know exactly how you want to be positioned, that doesn't mean that you're always going to have a patient that's going to position themselves that way. Um, so I think we're incredibly prone to injuries. I can't tell you how many, you know, dental conferences I've been at where the dentist will say, Oh, I've had this surgery or that surgery. And they all just are kind of showing off their scars. Um, so it's absolutely important to have a non-clinical way to make a living in dentistry. So if people I guess some people not even might not even know what a dental broker is. Can you just explain what you what dental brokers do? Sure. So dental brokers um, kind of help facilitate the sale of dental practices. Um, we're typically seller side. There are brokers who work on buyer side. Um, so typically we're kind of help guiding them through the process. So connecting them with lawyers, connecting them with bankers, connecting them with potential buyers. Um, there's a lot of different industries that play into it. And, you know, we're kind of the ringleader that kind of helps mix it all together so that you have a smooth practice transition. So is your 
search for more brokers? Are you looking for fully full, full-time people that are going to leave clinical dentistry or could people kind of do a split? Um, right now, all of our brokers are dentists that are currently practicing either full-time or part-time. So it's definitely something where you don't have to pick one or the other. Um, if there's a dentist out there who doesn't want to practice clinically and is only interested in brokering, that would be great as well. But most of our brokers are still practicing. Um, it's something that you can do, you know, remotely. It's something that you can do between patients or on the nights and on the weekends. Um, you know, if you're visiting a dental practice that's going to sell, typically they're not going to have you visiting there during working hours. So it's actually great as long as you have, you know, those evenings open or the weekends open, um, some time to set aside for brokering. And is it fairly unique that your brokers are all dentists, or would you say that's kind of common with the dental brokerage market? No, it's absolutely unique. Um, yeah. There's a lot of dental brokers who don't have much background in dentistry, but I think people who aren't dentists can't understand dentistry. I think even people who are in medicine don't understand dentistry and um, what it entails and the stresses and you know the challenges that we go through. So I think nothing compares to having a dentist kind of help guide you through your practice transition. Is there like a onboarding training process if someone wanted to get involved with your team? Yep. So you don't have to have any experience. Um, typically in dental brokers, what we're looking for is, you know, I kind of describe them as similar to the gunners in dental school, you know, people who are willing to put themselves out there and go to the CE classes and the study clubs and won't hesitate to go up to a stranger and introduce themselves and talk about what we do. Um, if there's a dental golf outing, they're there. You want to be the person in your community who everybody knows and as soon as someone talks about buying or selling a practice, it's, oh, you got to talk to so-and-so, you know, it's like, they'll know your name right away. Um, so that's what we're looking for. That's what we can't really train you on. That has to be there. But as far as like the logistics of brokering that we can train you on. So we have um, a brokerage manual that we go through and we do zoom training. So all of our brokers do get trained beforehand. Um, so the fact that, you know, a dentist might be like, well, I've never brokered before. That's not an issue because that we can train you on. What would be a problem if, is if you're shy and won't talk to anybody and you sit in the corner and keep to yourself and play on your phone. That's an issue. Um, but if you're outgoing and, you know, willing to put yourself out there and want to meet people and want to help people, then we can absolutely train you. And before we get into the few other questions that I had about buying and selling practices, just that mm -hmm. aspect, is there anything else you wanted to add about your search for dental brokers? Anything that you want to mention? Sure. So we're typically looking for brokers in larger cities. Um, right now, we're really looking for someone to cover New York City um, and Chicago. Uh, we'd also love to have somebody in Boston and Washington, D.C. There's certain cities in Texas where we're still looking. Um, we have a San Antonio broker, but we're still looking for Houston and Dallas and Austin. So we'd love to have brokers there. Those are certain cities that are kind of just, you know, growing rapidly and have a lot of dentists. Um, but we are open to various cities. Um, the only issue that we have is there are certain states in which brokers require a real estate license. So if you're in certain states like Colorado, California, a lot of the out West states, you would be required to get a real estate broker's license before becoming a broker. Okay. That's good information. Mm -hmm. So for people that just have questions about buying and selling practices, especially dental students, it's mostly going to be buying a practice one day. <laughs> yep. So how soon, um, so someone knows, okay, I want to buy a practice and start working at it when I'm 30, for example, how mm -hmm. soon should they get in touch with a broker? How long does it usually take to find a practice that's the right fit? Sure. So I always say, you know, start planning years ahead of time. Um, so you're going to want to be, you know, following them on Instagram, getting on their email list, kind of seeing what's out there. Um, a lot of dentists, when they first graduate from dental school, aren't quite ready to be out, out on their own. 
And I, even out of residency, I don't think a lot of them are ready to be on their own. So, you know, what I typically recommend is if, you, if you're ready to buy in, that's great, but make sure you have a mentor there for you because you don't want to be the dentist who says, oh, that tooth was, tooth was endo-treated. I don't even want to try extract it. You want to have someone who's there to be like, no, give it a try. And then I've got your back if you need help. So you don't want to be there by yourself. But I think, um, you know, even dentists who are recent grads, if they have someone who's a mentor, there's no reason they can't, you know, look into being in an associate position where they buy in. Um, and that's a lot of our associate positions that we have available right now. A lot of dentists are looking for someone who they can mentor and then eventually buy in. Um, so they don't necessarily have to be separate. You know, it's like to be an associate or, you know, to work at a corporation or to buy in. Um, a lot of it can work well together. So if there was a grad interested in something like that, they could reach out to you guys and see if you have anybody in the locations that you work with that yep, might be so looking for an see. associate. Okay. Yep. We could see about associate positions. We could see about practices that are available. And if we don't, you know, we have such a wide network that we can also just kind of reach out and say, Hey, is, is anyone looking? We have an, a potential associate in this area. Do you know of anyone who might need an associate or might want to buy, have, you know, a young dentist buy in, in the next five years? Cause a lot of the dentists who are looking to sell are also planning ahead five years. So maybe, you know, not right this second, but they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'd love to have them as an associate and see how they do and see how they work with patients. And then, yeah, down the road, it might be a great buy-in opportunity. That's good to know that keeping it in my head as well. For a couple of years. It's all important things. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So do you have, I assume by the name of your organization, you have brokers all around the country, or at least that's the goal. So yep. is it realistic for a dental student that maybe isn't tied down to one place to say like, I'm kind of open to go to a bunch of different cities and like, what opportunities do you have? Can they come in that open-minded or should they have a more narrowed down vision once they reach out to the brokers? Um, no, they can absolutely just have a wide range. You'd be like, we have a lot that'll, you know, send me a list of like 10 states. And they're like, if you hear of anything in this state, this state or this state. But yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, obviously I have access to all of our listings. Um, and if I can know more about the dentists and kind of be like, okay, you know, maybe they're looking for something that's more rural, or maybe they're looking for something that's more urban. And, you know, there's so many things that, you know, besides location that people are looking for, you know, how many ops, what are their collections? So there's so many details. So, you know, the more open they are to different areas, the better I can match them with other specifics for their practice. That is very good to know. And you kind of already mentioned this, but I'll ask it again to see if anything else comes to mind, but are there any locations that stick out to be like really growing dental markets? Texas is just huge right now. You yeah. know, I'll get so many people who are, and the thing is I've never even been to Texas <laughs> and I'll get so many people who are like, I want to be in this part of Texas and this part of Texas. And I have to look it up on a map because you know, Midwest people over here, but yeah. um, yes, Texas is growing. Um, we get a lot of requests about, um, you know, on the East coast, there's a lot. Um, I think that's nothing new, but it's a very popular area right now. So yeah, I would say East coast, Texas. Um, we also get a lot for Chicago. So there are certain areas where they're definitely growing or just are continuing to grow because they've been popular for a long time. That is all really great to know. Do you have any final thoughts or anything you want the listeners to know? Um, if they're interested in learning more, um, they can reach out to me. My email is laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L at udba.biz. Um, or they can follow us on Instagram. We're at united.dental.brokers. Um, and they can reach out to me directly. Um, brokers who are interested can give me a call and we can discuss it. And then if they want to learn more, we can get them into training. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.